Welcome back to A Word Before We Leave. My name is Brett Gaffney. On today's episode, I have Miley Garcia. Miley Garcia is a third grade teacher here in Lincoln, Nebraska. And as the listener, I just, I got some big news. This is exciting for me and I want to share it with the world. As some of you might know, I'm an actor. That's that's the main career that I'd like to pursue and chase and hopefully make money and start a family and a living wage off of. Now, as fun as that sounds, it's also quite difficult. So I just recently made the transition and move to Los Angeles, California. So I'm currently sitting here editing my podcast, recording this introduction to the podcast in my brand new Los Angeles apartment. It's exciting. The energy is great and high. So this is my last in-person interview in Lincoln, Nebraska. But enough about me. Let's just start off with Miley introducing herself and we'll get right into the show. As always, thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this one. And as a reminder, if you guys are enjoying Word Before We Leave, I love to interact with the audience and I love to interact with the listener, which is you. So if you have any recommendations, you can follow me on social media at brett.gaffney. And I do plan on making a website and a social media account for the podcast itself so that it's better to interact with. Other than that, Miley, take us away. Hi, guys. So, Miley, I'm just going to dive right into this once that car passes by. (laughs) Okay, Miley, I'm going to dive right into this. Welcome to the first segment. This is Word of the Day. So, if you don't know how this works, I'm going to read you a word from Merriam-Webster, not sponsored, and then you're going to come up with a sentence based on the definition. Okay. Sounds good? I, I can do that. Okay, so today's Word of the Day is alleviate. Alleviate means to make something less painful, difficult, or severe, or to partially remove or correct. The example sentence from Merriam-Webster, not sponsored, is, Mom's suggestions for ways to alleviate some of my cold symptoms included her special tea and plenty of sleep. So, now I'll give you some time to think about a sentence, and then you can give it to us, and then I'll give you mine. Okay, sounds good. Well, I'll just go easy to alleviate... The pain of a headache, I take Tylenol. Very nice. And for me, I... My sentence will be... I wanted to alleviate uh, a sense of pain after I stubbed my toe into the door. Nice. Thank you, thank you. Very good. Okay, now that I got you all warmed up and ready for the podcast, why don't we dive into it? So, we were talking before this that you had maybe different directions you wanted to go when you're studying and figuring out what you wanted to do as a career and where you wanted to go after graduation. Right. So how did that look? So, okay. So I teach third grade now. I am an elementary teacher here in Lincoln and I went to school for education all four years, but somewhere along my second or third year, I started feeling kind of lost and just like stuck. I didn't really know if I wanted to continue with with what I was doing. So I felt Um, I've always felt like I could do more than just be a teacher, but now being a teacher, I am doing a lot more than I imagined I would be back then when I was struggling. So with that struggle, I'm glad that I struggled in that and I'm glad that I stayed because I love what I do now. Um, and then now that I am teaching, there's always been this question of whether I'm going to stay here or go somewhere else. So I guess that's, my new (laughs) struggle now. I have family in Texas and they want me to go teach in Texas. I don't really know what I want to do. (laughs) So you're currently teaching third graders right now. What did, 
what does your day normally look like prepping for teaching for students? Okay, so this is perfect talk because we just had open house. We start school on Monday. So my usual routine, I wake up at 6 um, in the morning, which is kind of awful, especially after coming from summer break. Um, but I wake up, I brush my teeth, eat breakfast to get ready for the day. I listen to like... I listen to my horoscope every day. I try to meditate. I don't do it every day. I should do it every day. <laughs> but um, I listen to music, just like pump up music, music that I like, that gets me ready for the day. Um, but I try to be at school at 730 every day just so I can be prepared and in my room because I feel most comfortable in my classroom. Are you allowed to talk about um, what your classroom looks like? What's the setting? What yeah, kind of absolutely. students are coming in through the doors? Sure. So my classroom is, I have a theme and it's Hello Sunshine. I like my favorite colors yellow. So I love the sun. I love all the bright colors. So right now I have a color scheme of yellow, orange, pinks, light greens, light blues, you know, those pastel colors. And so my room right now is decorated in all of those colors. I have little suns everywhere with my students' names on it. Um... Let's see, I have like carpet spots where my, my kiddos can come down and be on the carpet with me. I have a little reading nook where they can go and just like take a break if they need it, go read a book whenever it's reading time. I have whiteboards in my room, like I have big whiteboards where they can have their own little private study session if they need it, if it's allowed during the day, you know, stuff like that. Um, the school that I teach at, we have a very diverse group of students, which I love because I am Hispanic. I speak Spanish. And so most of my kiddos that I have in the school are from Spanish speaking backgrounds. So most of the kiddos that I have in my class speak Spanish or come from somewhere that speak different languages other than English. So it's super nice. And it just makes me feel more comfortable being in that school because I grew up like some of those kiddos grew up. So I feel very, very safe and comfortable where I am because I know that I can provide that sense of comfort as well to my students. So it's safe to assume that being a third grade teacher, these, these students, are, they're small, right? These are, yeah. these are young kids. Yeah, the average age is what, eight to nine? So they're eight to nine, yep. Eight to nine. Mm -hmm. So a part of me is, is, is thinking back to when I was in third grade, right? Um, what kind of subjects are you really gearing these kids for? What are you prepping them for? I know in the modern culture, a lot of education is prepped for high school, prepped for mm -hmm. college transitions. Do you have any opinions on standardized testing? Do you have any opinions on how that affects the the youth at such a young age in the elementary? Right. So in our school, I mean, our biggest, I guess the district uh, wide here in Lincoln one of our goals is for students to um, graduate, not like necessarily just graduate, but be on track to graduate. So us being in elementary, obviously, they're way too far to think about graduation, you know, think about high school graduation. So our goal is to get them in the right path to graduate. So I teach all subjects. I teach math, reading, writing. Um, I teach unit studies, which is our science, our health our um, social studies. I teach everything. Do you except, have a favorite? you know, math and all that. Or I, music, sorry. I do have a favorite. I love math. I do. I like math a lot. Um, reading, I am learning to love. I always struggled with reading when I was younger, but I have found like teaching it, I guess, brings me back to when I was in elementary school. So it's nice to be teaching it now 
because I can see what my teachers were trying to do back then. And I'm trying to get my students to also feel or learn to love reading just as much as I am. Do you have any stories from the classroom that you like to share? Oh my gosh. Sure. Um, so I started teaching back in January. That was my first year teaching, but I have been at this school that I am right now since I started college back in 2017. Started working there in the after school program. And oh man, I just, there's so many things that have happened in that school. I know one of my very first years, the students were talking in Spanish and they obviously didn't know that I knew. They barely met me. And I just said, hey, I'm Ms. Garcia. Like, I didn't speak in Spanish, nothing, so obviously they didn't know. But I would walk by, and you would, like, hear them whisper talking in Spanish. And I would, you know, peep through and just be like, oh, my gosh, you know, talking Spanish with them. And they would, like, completely shocked. So that was fun to notice. And I have that at least once or twice a year that happens when I get new students. Um, I actually had that happen today. I had a new student who's new to our school and I heard his mom talking in Spanish. So I replied in Spanish and his eyes just went huge. Um, That's gotta be powerful as a kid to see someone that speaks your home language, especially with some of these kids that are coming in. Yes, it was nice. And he's, he was very shy. You could tell that he was very shy. But when I said that I also speak Spanish, he kind of lit up a little bit and then went back to being shy. So I'm getting there. <laughs> hey, that's progress, though. That yes, is progress. Is. Yeah. is there any certain educational methods that you've learned throughout college or just through practice mm -hmm. that you have found that has positively affected the students that are in your classroom? Yeah, so I guess what drives, like what motivates me into teaching is the type of students that I am teaching. And so I think my biggest, you know, advice or what has helped me the most is taking initiative. A lot of times when we get go into this profession, we're too scared to try something new or to lean into something um, because we don't want to step, you know, we don't want to cross any boundaries that we're not supposed to, that type of thing. But I've always tried to take initiative and tried to take that extra step, um, try to do what I think is best because once you're in your classroom, it's up to you. And most of the time you'll hear, use your teacher judgment, like use, you know, what you think is best because you know your students. You're the only person who knows them very, very well. Yeah, it's a second so, nature. Yes, exactly. So just taking initiative in those things. If you know that your students are going to do better doing something different, it's okay to step out of that comfort zone, step out of whatever everybody else is doing and trying something new for your students. Yeah, do you guys talk about tactile versus learning um like auditory, auditory yes. yes visual yes. auditory tactile so we try our team talks about that a lot because most of us are hands-on we like the tactile stuff we want to be hands-on and i i just remember when i was in elementary school our science class was very hands-on and i remember that that's something that is in my mind that I will never forget so for me using tactiles you know using different materials while you're teaching or learning is so beneficial and not just for those tactile students because yes you have auditory students and um, visual learners for all of them it helps every student so we talk about all the different ways that it impacts a visual learner an auditory learner a tactile learner you know all of those things so we try to encompass you know different things and use different resources that help each of those different types of learners awesome yeah. So did you get a choice in the grade that you taught or was that kind of thrown upon you? How did that 
come so about? It was it was a choice. It was my choice to move up or not. It was offered because I was in second grade last year, and there was four teachers of us. And in every grade in our school, each grade has three teachers, but our group of kiddos is the largest one. So when they were deciding last year whether or not, you know, who's going to move up, who's not, they asked each one of us of the second grade team. They asked, you know, everyone in the building, all of these different things. And so when it was my turn, um, I just said, wherever they think I will be the best fit, it's fine for me because it was my first year. I honestly didn't have an opinion or really a preference of what grade. I just wanted to keep the job. (laughs) So I just told him wherever you want me, I'll go. So that's how I ended up in third. (laughs) And now you're in third grade. And how many students do you have? I have 17, but, um, I had 19 at the start. Uh, one of them moved away, one moved out of my classroom, but we might have new students coming in during the year. So I like having, you know, that small number just in case if we get new kiddos. What's your dynamic when it comes to treating students with friends versus people they're not friends with in the classroom? How do you like make, I, I, for me personally, when Mm -hmm. I was in third grade, I remember our teachers really emphasized the, the community, the the teamwork that comes with being a part of a classroom and being a part of like the school as a whole, because they really emphasize community. So how do you build community within the classroom among students that might be from different backgrounds, might have different opinions about each other, might have personal things that you might not know about, but they've obviously gone to school together for the past two to three years. Yeah. So this is a great question because it's something that we talk about as well at the beginning of the school year, especially, um, especially like in our school with how diverse it is. We want each and every one of our students to feel like they are welcome and safe in our school. And it's very, very important to us because some of these students come from these different backgrounds And school is their safe place, you know? They need to feel welcome. They need to feel loved. So one of the things that I like to do, you know, open house, we just had it. I like to welcome them, obviously, with a smile, you know, if they're willing to give hugs. I know with COVID, we couldn't do that, but elbows, fist bumps, you know, those type of things. So right away in the morning when my students are going to come in, I greet them at the door, you know, say hello, good morning. And if they want a fist bump, a high five, a hug, they can do those things because I am open. I am a hugger myself, so I encourage all of that. Um, and then inside of the classroom, I let them, I'm trying it new this year, but I'm letting them choose their own seat because yes, some kiddos do know some of the other students from last year, but they're all in different classrooms this year. So it's up to them where they feel comfortable, not just sitting next to someone they know or someone they don't know, but in the classroom, like where in the classroom they want to sit, because that also is a, a comfort you know, to them. So I let them choose where they sit. I also like to do, um, like at the end of the day, like how was your day? You know, in the beginning of the day, I also have up on my board, I have all these emojis, like, how are you feeling? I also tell them if you're feeling sad or mad or anxious, you can come talk to me whenever you want, you know, that type of thing. Um, at the end of the day, I do this like circle, especially if we really need it. In years past, even when I was in my practicums or student teaching, If students were struggling, like being a community, being a classroom, that classroom family, we would sit them down and just share what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of the show New Girl that Jess has her feeling stick. Um, I don't have a feeling stick, but we pass around, you know, something like either like a beanbag or like I have little stars, you know, those type of things. Like whoever has it gets to speak and share what they're feeling. We can't name names. 
you know, that type of thing, just to keep it private for them as well. But I, I like to do that with my kiddos. Um, I call them my kids. I don't have kids of my own. They are my kids. So I, I feel like that's a, a comfort thing as well. It makes them feel comforting. Um, I also call them team. I don't like to call them friends. Don't want to give them the wrong idea. Sometimes you are their friend, but I think just calling them friends is probably not the best idea. So I call them a team because in the classroom, you are a team. Mm -hmm. If one person is, you know, struggling, we're all struggling. We have to help that friend out. We have to help that teammate out. And I think that's just a great way Mm -hmm. to prep the, prep the young mind for, cooperation amongst yeah. different schooling, different levels beyond the third grade, yes. going into fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, middle school, oh, yeah. high school. I think you're setting ground groundwork, like a, a solid foundation for them to build upon. And I right. think that's that's beautiful the way that you just described Thank that. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. So now I think this is a good, a good little segue to go okay. into a, a classic um, wordplay which is a game that I have played with a few guests in the past. Yeah. It seems to be a popular uh, segment, and it's been asked to come back. So I'm yes. bringing it back. So Perfect. I'm going to say, so both of us are going to say a word at the same time. Right. I apologize to the listener. I, I always apologize, but no one seems to be mad about it because we're going to talk over each other. That's the point of right. the game. Right, right. So anything that you can think of, I'm going to count down to three, and you're just going to say the first word that comes to your mind. Nothing okay. that you can see, and the goal okay. is to not repeat any words that we've said. That's right. So we want to get to the same word. As fast mm-hmm. as possible. Okay. So I'll give you, t- you can think of the first word and I'll think of the word because I'm going to need a second to think of something. All right. Sounds good. This is me. It can't be something I see, right? Nothing in the room. Okay. Nothing in the room. Nothing that we've talked about recently. Just try to like, the, the point is as random as possible because okay, then we can find a common ground. Gotcha. We have to be on the same level though. That's okay. the point. Okay. I have to think of a word. Uh, got it. Okay. Three, two, one. Right. Ranch. <laughs> rice, okay. rice and ranch. Rice and ranch. I got it. I don't know if I have it. Three, okay. two, one. Food. food. Oh, Whoa! That... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was the fastest uh, game of wordplay ever documented on a word before we leave. That was two rounds. Um, it started with rice and ranch and brought us back to food. Wow, that was really good. You know, I'm I'm honestly impressed that I got that recorded because our reactions yeah. just spiked. That was really good. Immensely. I was very loud. I'm so sorry. So was I. We were both very loud. Our, for the listener, both of our eyes just went very wide yes. because we're currently in Miley's apartment sitting at her kitchen table. So if you also hear any cars driving by or the sound of a fan in the background. Right. It's just we're squeaking. It's, yeah. It's just it's, it's the chair. moving in the chairs. <laughs> I've noticed that Miley's big on talking with her hands. If she's bumped the microphone yes. a few times, that's just a Sorry. part of it's a part of the naturalism. That's a part of what makes this present and uh, real. So right. yes. that's what I did separates us. I was Hispanic. Talk with my hands. Of course, it's, <laughs> it's what separates us from the rest of the podcast. Right. Well, we do another one. M- might as well. Usually okay. these last like five to ten that's minutes. That's true. It's true. Okay. Okay. I got a word. Okay. Three, two, one. Tangelo. What did you say? Tangelo. I have no idea what that is. It's like a citrus. Okay. Tangelo and rainbow? Yeah, I don't... Okay. 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 Three, two, one. Orange. Orange. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) 
You know, if you were playing along back at home, maybe <laughs> there's a connection here. Maybe you got that word too. Nonetheless, I think that's a perfect segue back into the questions. So now that we're halfway through the podcast, I'd say it's time to dive a little deeper into who you are as a person, more so outside of the teaching subject. So we can maybe understand the philosophy of life that you're sharing with your students subconsciously. What's your favorite memory as a kid in the classroom? Favorite memory? Growing up. It could be recess. It could be a lunch thing. I want you to put yourself back in third grade. You are a third grader. Tell me a story from when you were in third grade that you can remember. Well, when I was in third grade, that was the year that I got glasses. And my glasses were like, they were the metal frames and they were circles and they were cheetah print. It was very outside of my comfort zone. I was very nervous to pick out these glasses because obviously I didn't want my classmates to make fun of me for. I don't remember if anyone ever made fun of me for it. That I don't remember. Um, but I was very self-conscious of wearing those and now looking back, horrible choice of glasses, but that was the year I got glasses. Another favorite. Oh, um, I was one of like three or four Hispanic kiddos in my school because I grew up in a very small town, Ogallala, Nebraska. And I just always remember feeling, you know, very comfortable in my class speaking about me speaking Spanish, me going to Mexico, my family, my background, all of that. Like I never felt like the odd one out. So that was very nice. How many Hispanic kids were in the third grade class with you? I don't remember. I don't know if anyone, I don't remember how many were in my class, but I graduated with four other Hispanic kiddos. (laughs) How big was your graduating class? Um, 70, 72, wow. I think. That's yeah. A, that's a and we were one of the difference. bigger. Yeah, we were one of the bigger classes. My graduating class was five hundred and twelve. Oh. Yeah, but yeah. I'm I'm from the outside of Kansas City, so it's a little oh, okay. bit different than right. being in Ogallala, Nebraska, yes. which is a lot smaller of a yes. town. Yes, it's like five thousand people. Yeah, and that's yeah. like about the size of my high school. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> not not I, No shame. No shame. We love all yeah. people from all parts that's of the world. That's true. It's true. Okay, so what is something that you were told growing up that maybe changed the way you viewed teaching in general or changed the way you viewed education? Because I think education is a very important subject. It's, it's the foundation for society. It's the foundation for language. It's the foundation for human progress. Yeah. So what is something that made you even start to comprehend the idea of you being a teacher, you being able to mold the minds of the youth? Just from a very young age, education was important in my family. My parents both came from Mexico, and they finished school. They finished, you know, their um, high school, their prep school. Both of them did, but they didn't move on um, after that. And so ever since I was very little, education was our number one priority. Like, we had to go to school, had to be relatively good at school. And that has always been a standard in my family. All of us attended school. We all graduated. We all did academically well because it was so important for my parents and moving on after high school yes it was our choice but it was heavily pushed to go on to college and for me I'm the youngest in my family so I saw all of my older siblings grow up make mistakes you know become successful doing what they want to do and for me it was very important for myself as well, kind of just to prove to myself, but also prove to my family that just because I'm the youngest, I can still do what my siblings did or do more 
you know, I just always felt like I had to prove myself being the youngest. Like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. But yeah, I can. So education has always been very important in my family. And even when I was, I, I think back to like preschool and Head Start, I always played teacher or I always played house and I always wanted to be the one in control, I guess. But, you know, even being a teacher, you're not always in control. I liked playing teacher. I liked playing house. I liked being in that role because I liked being dependent on. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on a daily basis in the classroom, how much do you feel like is a balance between control and chaos in a sense? So we like to use the... the um, term controlled chaos. <laughs> um, it there's you know there's a balance that you can have with control and letting the students have control because that is very important, especially as they grow older. They need to learn how to form their own thoughts, problem solve by themselves, be more independent. And in third grade, there's a big switch from second grade into third grade and into fourth grade with independence. So letting go of your control and having your students do more is one of the priorities in school. There's, um, in teaching for all of us, you know, we want the students to be doing more of the talking instead of us. Like, we don't want it to be like a lecture class in college. We don't want the professor being up the whole entire time at the board talking to you about whatever subject it is. We want the students to be up there teaching us, basically, teaching us and the rest of the class. We want them to talk to each other, not just to us when they have issues. We want them to be in control of their learning. There's something poetic about using the multiple senses to show the teacher that you know what you just learned, you know, communicating the same concepts that you were just taught to the person sitting next to you or speaking it out loud or or telling it back or asking questions. How do you find involvement in students that don't normally interact with the classroom as much as some others might. Right. One of our biggest goals in our school especially is 100% um, participation. And that's something we want essentially just what that is, 100% participation in the classroom. We want every student to be engaged. We want every student, you know, raising their hand or drawing on their whiteboards or writing something down, that stuff. So a lot of the um, tools, resources, things that we use, strategies that we use incorporates all students because we want all of them to be participating. And that can be, you know, putting them in groups of three or four, or even in partner groups. We want them to feel comfortable. So before asking um, a question to the whole class, we want them, we want to ask them the question, but then turn to a partner or turn to the group and discuss it with them so they feel more confident and more comfortable sharing that out loud afterwards. Uh, We also use something called like stop and jot so that everyone can write something down, whether it's on a sticky note, your whiteboard, piece of paper, whatever it is, you know. So there's a lot of strategies that we use to get um, those kiddos involved and participating in the classroom. Okay, so now I'm going to move to a segment called A Word In. I'm going to have people call in and the topic for the word in for today is tell us one of your one sentence favorite memories growing up as a kid. Um, When I was in elementary school, I don't remember what grade it was, but it was I was old enough that I was taller than everyone else. We used to do this thing where we would all gather on one side of the gym and the lunch lady would take like a bucket of fruit roll-ups and just like chuck them to the other side of the gym and you got to keep what you caught. And since I like just hit a growth spurt and I was tall, I caught like over half of them 
and I got so many that they made me give all of them back and then sit on the side. I guess that's not really a happy memory, but, like, I still got fruit roll-ups in the end, and I felt invincible. Yeah, that is all. Okay, so elementary school was literally the best. Before middle school and high school, before all of the hormones started coming and I started going through puberty, I was a very extroverted uh, kid uh, in kindergarten through sixth grade. And then, you know, story changed when I hit seventh grade. But my favorite memory is <laughs> I was in Mrs. Sinnott's sixth grade classroom and we were going over vocabulary words. And we would have to write a sentence with a word uh, after we were given the definition of it. And we were going around the class uh, sharing our sentences that we had written. And I really, really wanted to say my sentence, sentence for the word rank, R-A-N-K, rank. And I was raising my hand. I wanted Mrs. Sinnott to call on me. I was looking at her dead in the eyes my arm erect in the air and she was like okay emma what's what's your sentence i put my hand down and i look in my paper and i'm like my dad's poo smells rank and the whole class just you know loses their shit and uh uh you could say that i i peaked in that moment yeah so elementary school was pretty cool Right now, what uh, the memories that stick out to me about elementary school would definitely be the, the field trips, just the whole energy around the field trips. The, the bus ride there was always such a good time, <laughs> just being with friends on the bus, and there's always just something, something special. The no seatbelts felt so dangerous. And then getting to the location, uh, to me, the one that sticks out the most right now, and the story I'm going to tell here is um, uh, the time that in first grade when we went to the, the, the zoo. And uh, you're there with all your friends, you get your little groups, and uh, my mom actually chaperoned our, our group with me and this other guy. Uh, and we got to the, the rhinos, and, uh, you know, animals, they have to do their thing, too, you know. The, you, you read the book, Everybody Poops? Uh, imagine you have. So the, the rhino, na nature called for this rhino, and uh, six-year-old me, I'm standing there, I point out the rhino, and I, I shout out to uh, the, the whole audience, anyone listening. That's inappropriate as the rhino poops. And uh, I don't think I've ever heard my mother laugh that hard in my entire life. So, uh, yeah, right now that's the story that sticks out to me. Definitely a bright spot from growing up, being in school, being in elementary school. Yeah, thank you. Hello, Brett. This is Evan. And this is, uh, this is my favorite memory from school growing up. Or at least in my head, the most memorable one. I had just moved to Kansas City. It was about seventh grade. And for a school project, for the first time ever, there was three options. Either you could, you could write a paper, uh, you could do a skit, or you could make a little video. Coincidentally, I think about the summer before, I had gotten a camcorder. Um, I don't know, maybe from a birthday or Christmas or something where I could have gotten a gift, but um, I hadn't really used it yet. I played around with it, but I wasn't really sure what to do with it. So I thought that seemed fun. You know, it seemed like an easy way to do the project. I wouldn't really have to do much work. And so 
I got a group together of my friends, and we went out there. So I had the camcorder. I was one kind of in charge. Uh, unbeknownst to me, I was kind of uh, directing this little school project. I don't remember what it was really about. I, I, I think some it has something to do with, like, the Hunger Games. I think that was really big then. And it was almost like a spoof. But it, it was pretty much nonsense. But I, I, I do remember just, like, especially editing it, really loving it because it was um, – it felt like the first time I had a medium to kind of – express whatever I was trying to express rather than just plainly writing it or, um, you know, talking about it. There was uh, lots of different avenues in this medium to express what I was trying to get across. And so the best part of it, though, was my teacher at the time, she had, uh, she was impressed by it at whatever level it was, um, you know, um, but she gave me the option to, whenever we had a project in that specific class, I was able to um, do a video instead of a paper or a slide or whatever it was. And I was a project with a lot of videos. And so for about the rest of middle school, every single time there was any sort of project with that teacher, it would be the same group of friends and uh, slowly and surely, all our projects would get better and better, but it was just the most fun, and that was kind of the, uh, that was my favorite memory, because it was the, kind of the first memory of, uh, you know, learning how to properly uh, create something uh, in that medium, I guess. And that evolved over time. Hi, Brett. Okay, here's my story. So, well, I don't know why this is this is my favorite memory of um, being in school. So I was in second grade, and my teacher, her name was Mrs. Bath, which was the coolest name ever. And um, so I don't know why, but one day I was like, <laughs> I had, there was a stapler, and then I I was looking at my thumb, and I was like, my thumb like it's it's like the juiciest plumpest finger and I was like I feel like it would feel good to staple my finger I don't know why I don't know why but I was like I I I so I took the stapler and I stapled my thumb and then I was like oh that hurts that does not feel good so I um took a walk of shame up to my teacher's desk and she was talking to another kid and, but I just came up and I was like, um, and she was like, what? And I was like, um, I stapled my thumb. And she was like, oh, my God. Uh, so then I went to the nurse. And then I think I blocked out the memory of them taking out the staple from my thumb. But then when I got home, my brother was like, my friend saw you in the office and said that he, you stapled your thumb. And I was, like, really embarrassed. Anyway, that's my favorite memory, period. The end. Bye. I love you. And welcome back after the break. Thank you for listening to a word in segment. Now we're going to dive into the, the heaviest hitting questions. I always say they're heavy hitting, but they're really, it depends on the person. Share as much as you want. If okay. you're uncomfortable with the question or if you're uncomfortable with sharing something about it, mm -hmm. then feel free to stop, pause, take a moment. You have as much time as you want to 
think of the questions. Okay. Think of the answers to the questions. Sorry. You can move it. You're good. You're okay. Good. Why do you continue on a daily basis to be a teacher? What what drives you daily? My students. Um, I already talked about how diverse our school is, but these students that we have in this school aren't, you know, I don't want to label students, but they're not your normal students, you know, who they just have a different way of viewing life. And sometimes it's worse than what we have seen. So waking up for me is for those students who come from those backgrounds that are difficult, that are different from mine, that are where they are struggling and they might not even know it. Because for them, I, yes, I'm their teacher, but for some of them, I am like their mother. I am like their older sister. I am someone in their family. I am a friend. I am whatever they need me to be. And I am there every single day for those students, each one of my students, because they need me in some sort of way. Not just academically, not just in a school setting, but just in general. So that's what gets me up in the morning is my students. And before that, I don't really know. (laughs) Yeah, what got you you through the college days? What got you through... Oh my gosh. You being a student yourself. Yeah. I've never thought of that before. I guess I like being social. I've always liked going to school because I used to live out in the country. I used to live by a feedlot and... The closest people to us were miles away, and I didn't even know who they were until I was older. So I, you know, socializing was very important for me ever since we were kids because we lived so far away and we were only talking, I was only talking to my other siblings or my parents or friends of my parents. So going to school, I would see my friends, and that's where I'd get most of the talking. So school is very important for me because that's where I got to be social. And so I guess in college... And before college, waking up, what motivated me to get up was to see those people, see my friends, see my teachers, see, you know, anyone, even new. Like, I loved meeting new people because I get to learn new things, view things from different perspectives. I loved it. So, yeah, I guess that's what got me up in the morning before I was teacher. (laughs) That's awesome. So what is something that you, if you could, if you could interact with the kid version of yourself, the third grader you, what would you tell her? Oh man, that's intense. I would tell her, put your fears aside. Um, I'm, I'm a very fearful person even still to this day. So it's kind of hard even now letting that go and doing what I want to do or pushing my limits. But I would go back and tell her to just try it, do it. If you make a mistake, it's okay. I felt as when I was younger, I could never make a mistake. It had to be perfect. I am a perfectionist. Um, So letting that go, being okay with failure, it's okay. Um, You don't always have to be perfect for yourself, for your family, for your friends. It's okay to let people see the real you and not hide. Are you ready for the final question? Yeah. Would you care to share a word before we leave? Oh, I would love to. I guess kind of relating it to things that we've already talked about, but I guess one of the biggest things in my life is to take initiative and take ownership. Step into that thing, whatever you're going through in life, with confidence. Take control of it. You know, if you want to do something, go out and do it. You never know if you don't try, right? 
And yeah, don't let, I already, I know I already said this, but don't let your fears get in the way of it. Don't let your thoughts about what other people might be thinking of or might say to you, don't think of that. Push that all aside. Go out and do what you want to do, even if you have your own doubts. Like push all of that aside and just take initiative. Go for it. Do it. Right on. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, and theys and thems, thank you for listening to A Word Before We Leave. My name is Brett Gaffney. As always, I would just like to thank Parker Ryle, Miley Garcia, Ishan Parikh, Morgan McCoy, Rick Alloway, Kelly Bowling, Matthew Gaffney, Ashley Gaffney, my mom and dad for listening, of course, grandma and grandpa, I know you guys are listening as well, and to any of the new listeners, and to all the old listeners that keep coming back, thank you, and maybe you too can stop pushing aside that project that you've been holding on to for so long, and just take some initiative and start it today, because after all, life is only so short. This is Brett Gaffney, and... Miley Garcia. And you've listened to a word before we leave. Thanks for listening. Oh my gosh, I was so nervous. Okay, that's the fun part. <laughs> I do have a door. Yeah,